as we commemorate Saints Basil and Saint Gregory, we're still in the Christmas season. So we can't put things away that remind us of Christmas and celebrate the ordinary time right away. We're still in the Christmas season. We're still looking forward to the celebration of the Epiphany and the baptism of Jesus and eventually the purification of Mary in the temple. But let's look at St. Gregory and St. Basil. They were brothers, fourth century, 300s. And when you think about it, that was a long time ago. And yet, if we research them, we use their information and their theology even to today, thousands of years later. One of the major contributions of St. Gregory was his appreciation for the spirit, pneumonology, that's spelled with P-N, pneumonology. His acknowledgement of the power of the spirit came from his Greek background and he read the scriptures and taught the scriptures in a way that gets us to appreciate the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. He and his brother fought against what we call Arianism, a, a heresy that just denies the whole divinity of Jesus. And these two, in different ways, developed the early theology of the church. Now, they were followers of the apostle. The last apostle to die was John the Evangelist. So they were the next group of influential Christian leaders, and we call them fathers or doctors of the church. And if you know the interior of St. Peter's Basilica, there is an altar way at the apse of the church with the Holy Spirit in it. And around the base of that altar are the four doctors of the church. These two are among them. But look at the theology of the Spirit as was given to us. They understood that Jesus came from the Father, but he wasn't born. We say, in our words, consubstantial with the Father. We say that every Sunday in the Creed. And that idea comes from the early fathers of the church. Jesus wasn't born of the Father. He was born of Mary on earth. And even though he was born of human being, Mary on earth, he never lost his divinity. So he was always one with the Father. Now, this is not new for us because we say it every Sunday, but it's good to know our history and our resources that these fourth century doctors of the church, teachers, bishops, both of them, in the East, Edessa, Cappadocia, that area of the world, it's good to know that we follow a tradition that goes back, connected with the apostles, to Christ. When we say in our creed, we are one holy Catholic apostolic church, 
It's people like this that remind us that we are one, one church, one Christian body, holy because the founder, Jesus, is God and was holy, apostolic because it was passed by Jesus onto his first bishops, he called them apostles, and the apostles passed it on to subsequent bishops. So our bishop here in the diocese is a successor of the apostles, historically and theologically. I mean, I can trace my ancestry to the 1800s, maybe late 1700s, because I've, I've done that work, genealogy work. But as a family, we trace our apostolic fathers back to Jesus, to the apostles. And they, the first bishops, are apostolic successes of Peter and the early apostles. It's interesting, their feast has nothing to do with Christmas directly, calendar-wise, but we honor them because their feast day is now in January. And while we're celebrating still the concept of Christmas, that concept didn't come out of the blue. Oh, we could read about it in, in the Gospels, and we know that Matthew and Luke did a good job of giving us the historicity of the good news. But after that, somebody had to take up the challenge, and it was people like and today, Gregory and Basil, who took the challenge up. This theological challenge of the, the mystery of the word God made flesh. I mean, who's going to figure that out? And it's uh, the early successes of the apostles that help us figure it out to the point where, like I said, in the creed we still pronounce it. So when we get up on Sundays and we confess our faith and we proclaim our faith, we're confessing and proclaiming our faith in union with the guys who worked with Jesus and their successors. And of course, by connection with Jesus. So we proclaim our faith and we thank those who were bright enough to pass that on to us in theology. And this wasn't only in scripture. These saints did not write scripture. They were part of what we call the patristic period of the church. They were the fathers of the church, successors of the apostles. So we go back, we go back a long time. Right now, some of the issues politically in our country, there are a lot of them, but one of them is always referring back to the Constitution. What does the Constitution say? And all of our political leaders respect and understand, and if you break the connection with the Constitution, you're not really Americans. That's political, put that on the side. But our Constitution goes back to these people. They wrote about the origin of our faith. They weren't the apostles, they weren't the evangelists from whom they received the message. They were the earliest theologians of the church. They were bishops, both of them. Um, they were brothers. And they weren't always well-liked, by the way. 
They had conflict. Not, and again, conflict that is political and religious. Sounds like today. Some of their leaders didn't like them because of what they were preaching about Jesus and his connection with the Father. The fact that he was one with the Father. I mean, we say that all the time. We take it for granted. But think about it. Jesus, born in the stable in Bethlehem, was one with the Father. And the concept of Jesus and the Holy Spirit coming from the Father is developed by them. It's not directly clear in, in the Gospels. The theologians who followed the Gospels made it clearer to us. In the Gospels, we have the Spirit and I are one, the, the Father and I are one, we have quotes of Jesus and so on. But people like this, the early fathers of the church and subsequent theologians, made it more understandable for us. And these long Greek words, homoousios and hypostatic union and consubstantial and all those words that we know of, but we don't use them in everyday conversation. But what they mean is that Jesus came from the Father and never broke connection with the Father, that the Holy Spirit also processes from the Father, and that procession was connected with us, you might say, when the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and the continuity of the church began. It's the second day of January. We're still in the Christmas mode and hearing something heavily theological as this, and there's more, I'm giving you tip of the iceberg of their theology, makes us realize that we can continue this in this world, in the 21st century, as Catholics, enjoying the calendar festivities that we all celebrate, but we're not disconnected from our origins. Of course, the origin is Jesus and his teachers, his, his apostles, his theologians, we're with them, continuing the church. There is a mode in our society right now, it's, it's labeled woke. Generally, it has many aspects to it, but one of the aspects it has to it is not really appreciating the past not really appreciating our heritage, whether as Americans or humans or Christians, and breaking with it in so many ways, theologically, ethically, spiritually. And it's, it's a kind of disruption in the continuity of life, I think. But that's a political thing, put that aside. We gather here because there is no woke in our theology. Our theology began when the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and born of her was Jesus, the Word made flesh. And we are still practicing, believing, and praising the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and Mary, and thanking God the Father for giving us this gift 
that ties us to Jesus. So when you pray and I pray, our prayers to the power of the Holy Spirit go directly to God, our Creator. And that's no woke, that's facts.